0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We're celebrating the feast of St. John Vianney. That's a divine answer in a historical situation. The French Revolution, the Masonic Revolution of the modern world, they did away with God. And they placed reason. That was their God for a short while. Science was going to solve everything. And God's answer was a very humble man. John Vianney, other saints, there were martyrs there. But John Vianney stands out as a singular light in history. They say, by divine providence, he didn't have to do the final exam for the priesthood because he probably would have failed it. Was such a simple soul, which is to show that God didn't need human talents. He needs a human heart, someone dedicated to him. And his weapons, they say, he spends, you know, 18 hours in church a day. Most of it, in the beginning in prayer, nobody was coming. And then the tide turns, and his weapon is the sacrifice, or, or the sacrament of penance. Fast forward, Masonic government in Italy, boasting that within a generation there will be no more Catholic priests in, Italy, in Portugal. Blessed Mother's response, she comes to Fatima and she also calls for penance and conversion to save the world. Our Lord, we have here in the Gospel from St. Mark, the first words of our Lord. He proclaims the kingdom of God, that it's at hand, and then he says, repent and believe in the Gospel, which is so much as to say that unless you repent, you cannot believe in the Gospel. You might think that you believe in the Gospel. But unless you repent, the gospel, the kingdom you believe in, is not going to be the kingdom of God. It will be the kingdom of the world. That was the constant problem of Israel. The temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, and the temple of the Lord was to under support, be the incarnation of their worldly desires, and when Jesus does the sign of the bread, Everybody says, here's the prophet, here's the king of the kingdom of God, and it will be our kingdom. So in order to believe, we need to repent. Once, twice, and repentance is a lifelong challenge. In his treatise on original sin, St. Thomas says, raises a question because Adam and Eve, they lost a sanctifying grace and immortality and freedom of pain, and they also lost us this grace which was called integrity. And integrity was such a wonderful grace because all of our lower appetites were completely docile, completely ordered, and followed our will and intellect with pure, delightful beauty and splendor and order. And then St. Thomas says, Why didn't God just give us that grace of integrity by nature, such that even when Adam and Eve would fall, we'd still have that order within us? So why didn't God do that? St. Thomas gives a very interesting answer. He says God didn't do that because God couldn't do that. Once he places an immortal soul in a physical body, and we have physical faculties, their natural proportionate end is something in this world. Now that's part of the mystery and the miracle of grace, that not only is our soul, our intellect, and our will raised up to God, but all of the faculties of body and soul can also be raised up so that God is the object of their love, their delight, and eternal life. Repent and believe in the gospel. In the Greek word there is metanoia. There's something, or this challenge that something we need to undertake. Now we know our Lord has prepared the journey to eternal life with seven sacraments, seven portals that will get us close to God, in union with God, and guarantee eternal life. And the seven sacraments, there are seven sacred signs. So water is the sign of baptism. Bread and wine, the sign of the Eucharist. Holy oils for the anointing of the sick. The imposition of the hands for the ordination of the priest. More mysterious in some way is that first of all sacraments, the sacrament of matrimony. Because it's the couple themselves, their public profession, an intention of perpetual fidelity is itself the bond of that sacrament. So now I've taken through most of them. Now my question, what is the sign of the sacrament of penance? What's the sign? The sign of the sacrament of penance is metanoia. So what is metanoia? Metanoia is the virtue we say the sacrament of confession, right, or the sacrament of reconciliation, or the sacrament of penance. This is the sinner turning back to God. Well, the sinner himself has to bring this sign to the sacrament. This is a a catch-22. I've fallen into sin. I'm a miserable, weak sinner. I've fallen out of God's grace. And now I have to bring something in some way supernatural to the sacrament in order to receive it to get me back into grace. How do we do that? Without the Blessed Mother, without the prayers of the church, it's impossible. We cannot initiate our grace. But that's not our talk this morning. It's about the sacrament of penance. And this virtue of what we bring to this great sacrament of God's mercy is metanoia. Metanoia is a virtue, is is part of justice. In sinning, the psalmist says, against you alone have I sinned. So the essential root of all evil is turning from God. St. Thomas simplifies the distinction between mortal sin and venial sin. He says, in every mortal sin there is a conversio and an aversio. It's a great pun in in Latin or play on words. Conversio, in every mortal sin the sinner turns to some created good that it desires. I want this. At the same time The soul turns its back on God, that's aversion, as a physical sign, and as a sign of the heart, it's saying, get out of my life, for I don't want your law. That's aversion. Without aversion of God or his law, there's no mortal sin. Venial sin is, I want the goal, but I want to enjoy this a little more and I'd like to be wealthy, but I don't want to give up the goal. So venial sin is always maintaining God as our goal, but a lot of unnecessary curves on the way, and a lot of extra dangers too, of course. And mortal sin is always saying, God, I don't want you in my life, and you're no longer my goal. This is my goal." metanoia, this virtue of restoring the proper order of justice. And we can't do that. Only God's mercy can. So what we're bringing to God is our intention, our acknowledgement, and our good intention. You understand fire, right? You need fuel, oxygen, and heat. You put them together, three things. You put them together in the right proportion, Voila! Fire. Well there's three parts, constituent parts, that we have to bring to the sacrament of penance in order for this miracle of the transformation of a sinner back into a child of God to take place. The first one is contrition. And contrition here is linked the metanoia. Meta is a change, and noia, nous, is the mind, it's a thought. To so the beginning of a conversion, it's like the prodigal son. What does he say? Father, give me my share of the inheritance. What does that interpret it as? Get out of my life. I wish you were dead. I just want my share of creation. And he gets it. The father gives it to him. And he goes off, and then while he's eating the the scraps for the pigs, or wishing he could. And then he enters into himself and he says, I was a rotter. I sinned against God and against my father. And I'm going to turn to him and tell him how sorry I am. So the beginning of true contrition is in this conviction of seeing what I have done as wrong and evil. And I hate what I formerly loved and now begin to love what I have hated in mortal sin." That is a great change of heart. And then the prodigal son says, I'm going to rise up and go to my father. You know, if I've offended you, Mr. Staples, I can't get back in good grace with you unless I come to you and say I'm sorry, right? So, you know, people say, well, Why why do we have to confess our sins to a priest? Well, that wasn't how it was really, it was that way too with the beginning of the church. For at least the first four centuries and a little beyond that, when you wanted to go to confession, and you could go to confession once or twice in your life, after that the church didn't know what to do with you, keep falling into sin like that, they just recommend you to divine mercy, but in one or two occasions. And you go to church, you come up here, kneel down before the bishop, and you make a public confession of your sin, everybody take it in, there's no gossip, it's public knowledge. And then, because he sees that you're sorry, he's going to give you this nice, powerful penance, four years of public penance, you're before the church door every Sunday, begging people to pray for you, after you have finished your penance, after four years, and then you come back and he gives the absolution, and you're welcome back and you can come to Mass on Sunday and receive the body and blood of our Lord again. Publio the Great writes a letter to one of the bishops in Italy. He says it's time to end public confession of sin. It's Alcuin and the Irish monks that bring devotional confession into the church. Now we're in the 8th and ninth century. It's at the end of the 10th century that it's the priest can trust the penance. I give you this penance. Do you promise to do it? Okay, I'll give you absolution now. The Holy Spirit's been leading the church. And it was that intuition that since it is essentially against God that I have sinned, I can confess my sins to the representative of the church. But it's the very nature of metanoia, this repenting, this conversion which demands that I present myself to the one whom I have offended or his representative that I accuse myself and beg forgiveness. That belongs to the nature of the sacrament and not some positive law of the church. That's why if somebody even receives general confession, soldiers before a battle or for some great need, their next confession, they also still have to confess that, present themselves for that past sin, but that's not our concern today. So we have this deep contrition, this burning fire of longing, the recognition, the hatred of what we've done, and in that spirit we present ourselves to God. and. I'm a sinner, Father, I've offended you, and God, uh, hold me as a servant. And, and the third part is reparation. We could call this a two, two-sided coin. There's actually two parts of it. So I'm sorry, Mr. Staples, again, I, I wrecked your car. Will you forgive me? yeah, I'm happy to forgive you. Thank you. And you say, wait a minute, Father Wagner. I forgave you, but you still have to pay for the damages. <laughs> and so, when we confess our sin before God and we acknowledge that we've done wrong, we still have to make good the damage we've done to the divine honor, and sin harms the whole mystical body. So, there must be a type of restitution, which here is essentially spiritual, we make good to God what we have done wrong. Now it's an interesting anecdote in the life of the Curie of ours that he says at one point, he says, if one confession in twenty were valid, the world would be soon converted. One in (laughs) twenty? Well, I think that was a bit of rhetoric. Because after he's made that point, he continues to hear confessions, and he was generous in leading souls to divine mercy and absolving him. So what did he actually mean in that statement? What he intended was that the full power of this sacrament, which could turn us into a saint and transform us, it fails to produce its efficacy because of an inadequate or an imperfect. Another saint said, I think it was Francis de Sales, he points out there, their purpose of amendment is weak, so it doesn't produce the full effect, but it was sufficient that their sin is forgiven. But they're still walking along that precipice and in danger of falling back into it because they haven't cultivated and developed a hatred for sin. And that was Curie Vars' points. People say they're sorry, they go to confession, and then you can ask them, well, what was your firm purpose of amendment? So if we're going to make restitution to God and say, I'm sorry for offending you, and I'm offering this sacrifice or this renunciation to glorify you and honor you, And then you say, what's the other side of that coin? What's your first purpose of amendment? And most people leave the confession without ever having really formed a clear proposal. What am I going to do in my life? What must I change in regard to prayer or comportment, attitudes? What do I need to change to bring about? that I continue as a true son or daughter of God living in the grace of God. This sacrament was the curie of ours alongside his prayer, his weapon for bringing France back to the church. It has always been God's weapon an instrument of mercy of bringing His people back to Himself. And so on this feast day of John Vianney mindful of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, calling for this prayer for the conversions of sinners, let us propose and resolve in our hearts, I want to be the first one to allow this grace." Approaching the sacrament. The sacrament of penance, I like to call it, especially contrition, the back staircase the holiness. You see, St. Thomas raises the question, he says, well, the sinner has fallen into sin, to what degree of charity is the sinner restored through approaching the sacrament? Is it less charity? Is it the same measure of charity? Or is it more? And St. Thomas says, the sinner is restored or brought to that level of charity which is expressed in the intensity of his contrition so that We could commit a fault and be so touched and wounded by a dart of divine love that we could rise closer and more intimately united to God through the sacrament. So these three things again, metanoia, metanoia is a very deep, profound conviction about the most ultimate, absolute, fundamental truths of my life. That's why our Lord says, repent and believe in the gospel. And then as kind of a parable of that, he goes out and James and Peter, James and John are fishing, or Simon and Peter are fishing, and he says, come follow me. And they leave everything, and James and John are mending the nets, and they leave their father and everything because it's about the kingdom. We need to leave our attachments to the love, the way we've loved even those good things in this world, to love first the kingdom of God and all else will be given to us to love them in this divine charity. So, contrition is about this deep change of conviction of what is absolutely good and what is the star ordering my life and everything I do, then to humbly confess our sins before God, to be open with ourselves, to be open with God, and then that proposal of amendment and how can I amend my life in the future so that I will grow. The practice of frequent confession with serious preparation and serious application, again, is the back staircase to heaven. It's a great way to grow in virtue and the love of God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.